Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ready? Play. Well, hello there. We are winding down from Wimbledon on WTA Weekly. Um, and it's uh, my great pleasure to have uh, Pam Shriver join us to debrief on what I have to say was a wonderful women's singles tournament. Pam, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's like whether you play or whether you broadcast or whether you play the Legends event, whenever you go through two weeks of Wimbledon, or in my case, it'll be three weeks tomorrow since I left L.A., my home. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> Obviously, the ones that are feeling the emotions the most would probably be, you know, Novak and Ans Jabor being the finalists, not being able to, you know, being able to win six matches and not win the seventh. It's brutal. Um, but it was it was a historic, amazing two weeks under played under difficult weather conditions. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think they were they were probably a little bit concerned at first with that bit of a washout on Tuesday. I was actually trying to watch the spectator on the Tuesday, and uh, let's just say I really looked at the weather forecast and went, "Nope." Um, so, uh, but that was they did well to get back on track the way that they did. I know that there was a little bit of criticism, but I don't think that you could have played so much in one day. Um I and uh, you know there were lots of days where there were lots of uh great action um and you were hopping from match to match and there was always something very exciting uh going on. Um are there any particular matches that um you have particular fond memories of from the uh, the women's side from this tournament? Well, my, my main role for the two weeks was for ESPN as a broadcaster, but uh, the first week, and I wish it was longer, I did uh, help as coach of Donna Vekic. So I had never been in a coaching situation at Wimbledon, um, but to see what Donna did, and, and I think 
the best women's match or the most exciting women's match of the first week. And I know I'm probably uh, biased, but Donna and Sloan Stevens brought it on court one on, you know, it was the Thursday of the first week at the tournament had already been greatly impacted by rain. Um, people who were on the players who were on the top half of the draw, which was the easier half out of the hat. Um, it was really hard. If you didn't have a roof over your head the first couple of days, you were scheduled five days in a row. And, um, you know, you just, you didn't have your normal beat. You, you didn't have your normal rhythm. But anyway, to see those two, it was an amazing match. And Donna coming back from a set and two five down. So that was, that was really memorable for me. But obviously, from a tournament standpoint, Spitalina's run was really special. Uh, maternity leave, coming back from that, doing what she's done both at Roland Garros and here. And then obviously having seen Von, Von, Von Drosova beat, uh, beat Donna the, the day after this amazing Sloan Stevens match. So I kind of had my eye on Von Drosova from the first Friday. And I thought, wow, she's playing well. And did she ever? Yeah. Oh, she really did. And uh, it's an it's an interesting thing because uh, looking around, you know, if you look online, I don't think anyone backed Von Drosheva to win pre-tournament. I don't think many people were backing her to win on the day of the final. <laughs> it it very much felt like Oms's um, uh, to lose. I mean, we might let's talk about that final. What do you think, and, and I think a lot of this course around it has been um, around the Angebeur side and sort of what happened with her, but what was it that you saw Von Drusheva doing throughout the, the two weeks on her run, you know, beating Donna and then going through a couple of tough matches with Bushkova and Pagula and, take, yeah. and stopping the Svitolina run? And what was it she was doing right and how did she win it, essentially? Let's talk about the positive well, stuff. Yeah, we have this expression in tennis, like under the radar, like if a player is able to perform and go through their draw under the radar, meaning under the, without the pressure of uh, expectations, without pressure of a lot of media requests. Um, I mean, Vondrosova's run was the ultimate under the radar, even even the day of the finals, everybody pretty much was thinking about Anza's story. I mean, sure, Vondrosova being the first unseated player since Billie Jean King in 1962, uh, 61 years ago. It obviously had some traction, but Anz had the weight, and she showed it on her face, right? The weight of the world. Whereas Vondrosova just played the way you're supposed to play one point at a time, stay in the moment. Uh, she used her lefty skills perfectly. Um, her speed or anticipation, just handling of drop shots, decision-making. It was all like an athlete who didn't have the same pressure that was on the other side of the net. So she yeah. took advantage of a great situation and she's lifting the Venus rosewater dish. Unbelievable. That's, that's a good point. She was very much an underdog in her last three matches. Everyone was expecting Pagula to make her first major semi-final. Von Drusheva pulled off her own amazing comeback in that match. 
And then everyone yes. was rooting for Selena to get to the final. And Von Drusheva was the one without the pressure and with maybe slightly less physical impact. She'd have played, Svitolina played a couple of tough matches. And then, yeah, Schubert had the weight of the world on her shoulders. Um, yeah, you were, you were going to chip in on the uh, Pagula, Pagula win. Well, I was calling, I was working that match in the play-by-play -play position. Uh, who was I working with? Mary, I think I was working with Mary Jo Fernandez. Um, and, you know, it's a point for Pagula to go up 5-1 in the final set. It's, it's like you're almost filling out your draw. You're almost writing Pagula in the draw. And that was, there were many sliding door moments for Vondrosova to win, but that was the biggest, uh, most obvious one. But there were other ones, like even I mentioned how uh, when Donna played her in the uh, round of 32, the third round, you know, the Sloan Stevens match, which was played less than 24 hours before, was one of the most emotional matches Donna had ever played and won. Uh, it was crazy. And so that played into Von Drosova's hand. It was, it was literally like when you go back and look who Von Drosova beat and what their match was before. Like, look at Ons in the semis. Look what she had to do in this quarter, actually in the six, in the 32-16s quarters semis. I mean, it was crazy. And so when you think about it now, it kind of makes sense. Like the bottom half had to go through so much. Whoever got through on that bottom half that was packed beyond packed was going to then, you know, maybe be a little bit out of gas in the in the finals. And that's what ended up happening. I mean, would you say that Ons was out of gas more than uh, the nerves then? Was it, phys was it say, physical Both. more than mental? I thought Both. it was everything. I thought, you know, the way, on, like, Ons was able to shake it off against uh, Andrescu, right, on center mm -hmm. court. And yeah. Andrescu obviously helped her in that four-all game. Um, and Ons had enough in the tank, but there was something about that final. One year later, trying to get what was her ultimate dream, it all caught up to her. You know, the fact that she went out there to practice on center court, it was the wind storm. It was a terrible wind. It was the worst wind I'd ever seen at Wimbledon in my 45 years. So they were, and then there were some showers. And the, so between everything, they were going to close the roof. So they offered either one of the semifinalists, I mean, excuse me, finalists, the opportunity to practice on center. Vondrosova stuck to her routine. She still went to Arangi. And then when Ons came out, we were watching on the monitor, couldn't believe it, wearing all black shorts and a t-shirt on center court. It was so like, wait, stop, go back, change. And she played for like seven, eight minutes before somebody came and told her, you know, that one of the officials told her she needed a change. That is not the way you want to have your half hour warm up before a final. And then also, I don't understand why she came out like eight minutes early from the locker room to, uh, you know, because ESPN, who I was working in the studio and we always show as soon as the finalists leave the locker room and they're in the common area where you can show them on a camera. And she, literally she was eight minutes early. So I don't understand what I, I don't understand. It seemed even from my distance, like she wasn't in a routine and you need to be in your routine in a final. 
Mm. Something I I noticed sort of uh, watching the final back um, was how much of it it looked like Ons was rushing. So it's interesting to say she came out eight minutes early. Um, there were a lot of points where it felt like she was trying to pull the trigger too quickly or um, trying to, uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't, she was going for winners or, or kind of trying to be as aggressive as possible. I'm thinking beginning of the second set when she went that early breakdown, particularly, she came back from that bathroom break and she's like, right, I've got to come out swinging. Um, and I think Miles was on a point like her head space a little bit scrambled and sort of what I was expecting maybe when someone's battling the nerves or back having been a bit disrupted, you'd say there was a little more tightness in there, a little bit less on the shots. I think there was a little less on the serve. Um, but the indications were it was a little bit of both. It was almost trying trying too hard in many ways. I don't know if that's maybe what you saw. Well, yeah, to me, physically, she looked okay. She just didn't look okay emotionally. And mm-hmm. I know she has uh, her mental coach with her. And they had spoken, Melanie, I can't remember her last name, but anyway, Melanie and Anz had spoken outside the locker room one-on-one for several minutes before the semifinals. And then when Anz came out eight minutes early, originally when I saw that, I'm like, okay, she wants to find Melanie. She wants to talk to Melanie. And then Melanie did appear, but it was just like, I don't know. It was just, and look, a final... A final feels so different from a semi or a quarter. It's like nothing else. And even though Ons had been in two others, each and every, it's almost like a fingerprint. Each and every final has its own, you know, thumbprint, its own unique profile. And whatever it was, this final did not gel with Ons at all. That that would make sense. Whereas... Von Drosheva, by contrast, um, I don't think it took her a little bit of time to settle as well, but she kind of settled by being quite content to sort of retrieve, play the game that sort of got her there, keep herself in the match and um, play the disruptor, which she's very, very good at. Um, what, uh, and I think maybe maybe it's worth going back to Von Drosheva on that point because I feel a little bit sorry for her in many ways, in that I think a lot of people would be well up for her winning this title if it wasn't in this specific circumstance um, of playing a very, very sort of tight on Shabur with sort of that weight and that history and that sort of emotional connection to Wimbledon that she seems to have built up. Um, I mean, with Von Drosheva, would you say that she's finally fulfilling her potential or exceeding expectations? Well, look. If you'd said in 2019, when she was one of the last two standing at Roland Garros, you know, would you be surprised that 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 player who lost in the finals to Barty would go on to win one major? You would have said, absolutely, she's 19 and she's in the finals of Roland Garros. So, of course, she's probably going to, she could win one. But then when we saw what we saw the last four years, I know she got to the you know, gold medal match at the Olympics, Tokyo, in the summer of 2021. But boy, just like so many major finalists and major winners in women's tennis the last seven, eight, nine years, they do not follow it on. 
so I, I'm kind of mixed about it. I, I, I always felt, you know, being a lefty and as talented as she was in the juniors and at 19 getting the finals on Rolling Garros, I was like, okay, now, okay, where are you? Where are you? And then here she is. So it's almost like, you know, like the bird that goes underwater, you know, like, where are they? Where are they? And then she popped her head up and it made like, it actually made total sense. Even though she'd only won two grass court matches in her entire career at the tour level before this year's grass court season, she has a natural game for grass. So yep. I don't know the, the two, the two wins blows me away actually more only two wins prior to this grass court season blows me more away than her winning Wimbledon this year. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that form, I mean, completely breaks any form book you could have attempted to put together before Wimbledon, as I often try to put together before Wimbledon. And like Von Drusha featured in it in kind of the long list because she got to the quarterfinals of Berlin. And I thought that that was where I think some people kind of picked up on her doing well potentially or being uh, because you know she did she did look good I think I remember John being in Berlin covering it and he was saying Von Drosheva actually looks pretty good um so maybe so did, we Vekic, so did Donna Vekic by she the way did, so, yes. <laughs> she did yes she did um and uh I guess how much does the injury history with Von Drosheva play a part in um her baby going a little bit under under the water, as you say, because, um, you know, the BBC coverage in the UK made a big deal of the fact that um, she, she, this time last year at Wimbledon, her hand was in a cast. Yeah. And I went back and I actually looked at her social media posts from a, a year ago. I, I, you know what? She didn't know that going to Wimbledon last year might serve as an inspiration for this year, but I do think it did. I think that was a brilliant move of her to make. Not that she was, can you imagine you've had your wrist operated on, you're in a, like a soft cast or whatever it was, and you're taking like months off from the sport. Can you imagine to the special tournament you decided to go as a spectator that one year later you'd come back and win? It's, it's crazy. But I, I also think someone like Vondrosova did tap into the, 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 the legacy of players from the Czech Republic, starting with, you know, Martina, who was born there, obviously played under the U.S. flag during a lot of her nine Wimbledon wins. But I totally think at the end of the day, the lefty from Czech knew that she could follow on from Navratilova and Kvitova. You got that focus. I was going to ask you, what is it about Czech left-handers at Wimbledon? Because it's not just not Rafael, it's also Kvitova. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think lefties, no matter where you're born on a grass court, a spin, uh, grass loves spin. I mean, there's a reason why. It's not just because grass is slightly lower bouncing. The grass takes slice and ends it shorter. I mean, look at Jana. I'm unbelievable. Obviously, a righty in Czech. I just love that shot. And Ans, besides taking, let me just say, as I look at that of Yana, Ans should take uh, inspiration from what Kim Kleisters spoke to her about in the locker room, about how many times it took Kim for losing finalists. But also, most of all, Yana Novotna was the greatest redemption act Wimbledon's ever seen, given, you know, how the match, the finals against Groff 
what, five years prior to her winning. Mm. So anyway, I like that you've got that up there. I, th- I think uh, if Ons was watching this, she would like have a smile on her face. I uh, I would hope so. I mean, I, I would hope that um, players would, f- if a player watched the show, that they would feel positive about how we speak about them. And uh, I definitely do. I was, I was thinking about this exact thing of Ons Chabot almost being the new Yana Novotna and that story is very much still brewing and Ons is still 28 she's got a at least a couple more runs at this um maybe she would benefit from being a bit more of an underdog in the next time round um but uh who knows hey, we thought- and you know what it was so I'm sorry Nick I cut you off it's so unlucky that Ons was not more of an underdog in the finals and when I say unlucky obviously if you could order up an opponent on paper, like whatever Von Dretzvo was, 42 in the world, only won two grass court matches before this grass court season. To play in the finals of Wimbledon, you would take playing Von Dretzvo every single time. But as it turns out, the magic sauce for Von Dretzvo was that Ans Jabur felt so much pressure as the favorite in a major. Even even if Ans was the favorite a little bit or a co-favorite last year with Rebakana, she was the clear and obvious favorite this year, and it turns out it was just too much. Yeah. Um, so Vondrosheva is now top ten. Um, yep. Do we do? How long do we reckon she's going to stay there for? I have no idea. I mean, back in the day, if a woman player, uh, back in my era, if you won a major, you just set sail. You just had unbelievable amount of confidence that you could perform close to that same level at the next major, you actually felt less pressure and more confidence because you won that major. So one of the most difficult things I have is trying to understand like why so many of recent success stories and majors haven't continued. And I can't tell you what's going to happen here. I wish I wish I could because what's best for women's tennis is that Vondrosva continues and she continues her story. Mm. And I, I want to see, you know, actually Radakanu should like look because she had hand surgery, right? Now there's, I don't know, so like three yeah, surgeries. It, yeah, like, both wrists. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about somebody who should say, ha ha, uh, you know, this is an inspiration for players who've had injuries. And I think most of the major winners, whether it's Andrescu's had quite a few injury issues. Um, name me, name me other one. I don't <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's, there's been a few over there. L- less yeah. and less recently, but like um, Ostapenko went under the radar for a bit, about a year after she won Roland Garros. Absolutely. Sloane Stevens, maybe, could put in that category. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Emma. because. Yeah, Kenin. Yeah. I mean, she got to that Ron Garros final, but then after that, yeah, stuff seemed to happen to her. And um, it's interesting you mentioned Radicani because, yeah, I I was thinking, you as as we would talk about Von Drosheva's wrist injury, like if there's any ever Radicani fans watching, they should be, they're they're probably going to be hyping up um, her to come back pretty strong when she hits the court. And she recently posted a photo of herself back finally in the gym, um, getting ready. Uh, for that for that comeback so yeah I mean we have been seeing a little bit more um, consistency on the WTA tour it has to be said because obviously for the first six months of the year we've been talking about there being 
at least in this moment in time, maybe not for, uh, we, we don't know how long it's going to last, whether it's going to be just this year or for future years of a, quote, big three of Sviantek, Sabalenka, Rabakina. Um, where does that, where do you see that dialogue between, of having those three players very much being in control of the women's game at the moment, continuing now? None of them made the final for the first time. None of them made a, a big final for the first time this year. Is it a blip or is it a sign that maybe the second half of the year is going to be a bit more competitive? Um, well, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I actually okay. think that Sabalenka, Rybakina and Sviantek can all have really good second halves of the year while also you know, having, had, having some uh, you know, other players like playing really well. And, you know, it's to me, women's tennis is still a jump ball and a jump ball is an expression in basketball. Like, you know, it's anybody's, it's anybody's possession, like whoever can grab it in the moment, which is one of the reasons why I was intrigued by getting into the coaching game with, with Donna, because I do feel like there's a lot of opportunities still there, even with what we've seen from, I mean, Sviantek's been a, a big force for a couple of years now, right? Mm-hmm. And seeing what Sabalenka and Rebakana, how they followed up their major wins. So I hope what it shows is that in women's tennis, it's going to start a new a, a trend again, which is if you win a major or you get to the finals of a major, you believe that you belong there. Oh, yes, that was us. That's when uh, that was at Donna's Candle. Uh, uh, ex- oh, what do you call it? At, a, at an art gallery in Wimbledon, like a couple days before the start of the main draw. And I saw Francis walk by and I went out and I pulled him into the gallery. And it was <laughs> such a lovely moment. Thanks for posting that picture. Um, anyway, so I think they're going to continue to perform pretty well. Sabalenka, Shpiantek, and Rybakina. But I, I think there's plenty of room for others as well. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, Yeah, and do you know what? maybe that's been the sign of the year so far because I mean, okay. I made a tongue in cheek tweet that got way more traction than it should have done. Um, it was just a really dumb joke, but I basically said there's a big four on the WTA, which is Sabalenka, Sviantek, Rabakina and the entire Czech Republic. Um, because, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, because that seems to be what it is. It's like these three plus whichever Czech players performing well, because we've seen Krajikova, um, Kvitova at a couple of tournaments M- this Muhova. year. Mukova. Mukova in Roland Garros. Yep. And now Bondrosheva. Um, can we, can but we it, throw in doubles from yesterday? Yeah, Stritseva. <laughs> I, I can't believe she's stopping. She she could carry on. <laughs> she's playing really well. Oh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, but yeah. And aside from the link to the Czech Republic, um, or Czechia, as you think they prefer, prefer to be called now, um, you, you're right. There's, uh, there have been these other players who've been in there and mixing it with the big three tournaments tournament. Arguably, Jabir's in that category, and had she followed through, 
we'd be throwing her in the mix as well. Probably should still throw her in the mix. Um, so yeah, I think that's a that's maybe because we've been obsessing between these three being the most consistent. You're absolutely right. There is always going to be a tournament where a player or two will pop up and um, join them in the fight and really challenge them. I mean, Jabir took down Rabakina and Sabalenka. In the in the half that was just really be and Kvitova. I mean, mm. and Andrescu. I mean, her draw was crazy. So I think I think that was another thing that maybe we could have anticipated is that eventually, when you have such a tough pathway, it, generally it does catch up to you. Um, yeah. I think they said all- on the um like on the, on the women's final coverage on the BBC that the only time in history a woman's come from uh, a set down in the quarter semi and a final was in 1925. So before even the open era. So it's, yeah, you're probably right. We probably should have expected on the gas, but we also expect records like that to be broken. Right. Yeah. And we don't know. We didn't know. We don't, we don't know. I mean, a lot of times it's like after the fact you look at a draw and you just kind of go, Oh, it's obvious, right? It's obvious it fell that way that uh, that Ons would have come up short on, you know, given all she had put out to get to the final. No wonder she had nothing left in the tank. And this happens at majors. I kind of started the call by saying by this, you know, by talking to you, by saying everybody feels tired towards the end of a major. Um, But usually adrenaline and other factors can kind of carry a player through. But, you know, in this case. It, di- it didn't happen. So anyway, I think, you know, the hope is she's such a popular figure that, you know, Ans can, can learn how to perform, you know, late in a major without feeling like she's carrying, she needs to kind of shed that she's carrying the, the weight of a continent or the weight of a culture or the weight mm-hmm. of a, you know, the Arab world and a females, like it's hard to carry that as well as your own desire to win a championship like Wimbledon, so. Yeah, so that's maybe where Angebur goes from here. Um, I'm What I'm going to do is I'm just going to throw sort of four, five, maybe six names at you and sort of like, um, what can they, and the question for each of these names is the same, is um, what can they take from this? Where can they go from, what can they go from here, basically? Where do they go from here, even? Um, I'd say the first one uh, probably to throw out there would be um well, let's start with the let's start with the obvious one uh Donna Vekic um she must be feeling uh, this grass court season must have been a real uh, confidence boost for her I mean you're right I was absolutely thrilled by watching her come back and I thought she might do it again against von Drosheva. Um, yeah but she must she be did, pretty yeah. tired <laughs> it's it's a combination of both like whew. it's uh some satisfaction by having a good grass court season but knowing that the person you lost to after you beat Sloan and performed at such a level went on to win the tournament. Hmm. And it's funny, Donna had a vision uh, that she might actually be able to break through and, and, and win. And that the whole team was going to have tattoos. So isn't it (laughs) funny that it was Vondrosova? So it was like, maybe the way (laughs) the gods, the tennis gods had it, it was, Whoever won the Donna Vekic-Marketa-Vondrosova match on court 15 
in the mid-afternoon on the first Friday, they were actually playing for the Wimbledon title. Ha! So and anyway. How do you feel about avoiding getting a tattoo, Pam? Uh, well, for right now, I would have loved to have a tattoo. It would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. Okay. My, well, let, let's see how the uh, US Open goes, maybe. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. I mean, look, again, I mean, Shviantek will be defending champ, defending title holder. She'll be the favorite. But you got Sabalenka, Rybaka. You got so many players that love to play on a hard court. So yeah. it's going to be amazing. I, I think so. And you're still planning on being in the uh, on the team for that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll be working for ESPN and Donna. This is my first few majors doing this dual role. It's uh, wasn't something I planned. And, you know, I'm finding it at, you know, I'm 61 now. And so sometimes my energy level and I get, I do get, I get tired at the end of the tournaments, which I don't like to admit to, but, um, you know, I'm having a really good time. Um, I'm learning a lot. Like tennis is still offering me a lot of new opportunities, 45 years in from playing my first Wimbledon. So I feel, I feel lucky. Very, and I think, you know, <laughs> it's it's amazing that you clearly still love the game and you've found ways to still be very much involved in it. And you clearly still as passionate about it as when you broke onto the scene uh, as a teenager in the 70s. Yeah. And probably the thing, speaking of breaking onto the scene as a teenager, probably the thing I feel strongest about is behind the scenes and in my own maybe not so behind the scenes way, trying to push mm -hmm. towards you know, having a, a tour be as safe a workplace for all female players, no matter their age, yeah. uh, and having members of their team, you know, the WTA has done a good job of bringing a stronger safeguarding measures in. They, there's a course that I had to pass in order for me to, you know, if I show up at a regular WTA tour event, you know, I, I needed to be able to pass this test, which I took it and passed about a month ago. Um, and these are, you know, important things to, for me to feel like are happening because, you know, it, it does, uh, you, you want to contribute in a way from learning from your own situation and just help, help encourage a safer workplace. Yeah. yeah. And so it must be a massive relief to you to see the progress that has been made. Then yeah, obviously there's still a way to go. There's, there's, Yes, but, there is still a way to go. But, the, you know, what you do want is progress, and that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm just going to throw a couple more names out and um, see what maybe I want to get your thoughts on. Again, where do they go from here? Um, let's start with, um, let's go back to, let's go back to the big three. Let's talk about um, Iga Svantec. I think there was someone who had um, a question about her before, and like, Maybe she yeah. she is putting out the message that she thinks she exceeded expectations at Wimbledon. She did have a draw that favoured her a little bit. Um, I yeah. but the way she kind of dipped maybe slight concern. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm sort of ooh, it's sort of interesting. I mean, Shviantek, amazing. She's already won four majors. She's mm. uh, got more of her career, assuming she has like. The length of a normal career she doesn't end it early she has a lot more in the future than in the past but i'm surprised still when i see her look so under stress in such like 
I don't want to say the word panic because that's probably too strong, but it is sort of like a semi panic mode when things aren't going well, you could see it. She, she really advertises it on her face. And usually in tennis history, if you're number one, you, you have a look and you carry yourself a certain way, but it's interesting. She like, I saw it at Wimbledon and maybe with the grass courts, cause obviously it's a surface that she had the least, she has the least amount of confidence in past wins, but it happens on hard courts. It happened when somebody hits the ball hard and through her. Uh, not that it, it can happen on clay as well, but more on the other surfaces. So that's my only concern for her. Otherwise mm. her talent and her dedication is unquestionable. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, as, as someone who really enjoys watching Shviontek's game, um, uh, she does exhibit stress a lot. What I find interesting is now she still wins most of those matches, even when she's showing that stress, um, which is is interesting. I, I went back, I wrote a piece about, oh, hang on, she's, not, she's actually still winning these tight three setters, um, which I was like, okay, maybe um, showing off the pressure and showing that she she's frustration that she's not winning. Because I think that's what it is, is that she's now expecting to win. And the frustration when it's not going that way is, is very clear. Um, so I think it's interesting to see how that, how that kind of develops and how she manages it. Because I think I've seen great players exhibit sort of that frustration maybe a lot more later in their careers. I, I remember seeing Serena under visible stress during points in what, 14, 15, 16. Um, great example. Yes, for sure. Um, and and but Rafa, listen, Ra even, even the great Rafa Nadal, when you think about how he's shown stress through the years at times, it's like, so I don't want to like say, you know, it's, it's not easy for any athlete, even a number one athlete to not exhibit outward stress. We saw it from Ons as the, you know, the favorite in the finals, but it's just that when you when you've won four of them and you've been number one for sixteen months, um, I don't know. It's just kind of like a bit of a head scratcher for me that uh, she felt that unease. And may, maybe it's the fear of losing it. Who knows? It's only only she knows the answer and Daria as well. Um, it'd be interesting to see sort of when she eventually is toppled because that will happen. Um, how she reacts to that and how she bounces back from that. Um, and I think the woman who is very likely to topple her, um, I'm expecting to topple her this year because she's been the player of the year so far, is Arena Sabalenka. If she can overcome this apparent Grand Slam semi-final problem that she has. Um, what are your thoughts on Sabalenka at the minute? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the only semi-final she's won was over Lynette in the semis of this year's Australian Open. Good point. And if you look at the other five losses, they've been really painful. Um, I mean, U.S. Open, the year that uh, Leila Fernandez lost to Raducanu, that was a, a prime example of, of a situation that, you know, she might have overcome. But look, if you had told me somebody who was serving between 15 and 25 double faults, a year and a half ago would be able to turn around and do what she's done and serve the way she served. I would have said no chance because generally when the service yips come into play, 
and affect your play. It doesn't ever totally go away. So I feel like Sabalenka has already way surpassed my expectations based on what I observed a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. And I think she's shown us her competitive character by how she's been able to do it. Yeah. And you made a great point about the fact that her only semi-final win is over Lynette and the others, the others were against really tough players. Yeah. Um, I think Fernandez is going to show us again what she can do. We just got to wait for that. But all her other losses have been in three sets. Despite, I, I was kind of being a bit flippant with the headline and you can see it across the bottom of the screen. She's lost five out of five Grand Slam semifinals. Those losses have all been in three sets. She's won a set every time she's played a major semi. So there's no reason to believe that she she wouldn't win the next one um, when she gets there. Um, so yeah. And by the I'm, way, I, her record, let me just say her yeah. record in majors, having big wins from a set down is incredible. So kudos to her competitive spirit. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, she's definitely, she's very much in the mix for uh, the US Open title. Um, I would be expected to her among the favourites. And I would also include the now former Wimbledon champion and this year's Indian Wells champion, Elena Rabakina in there. Um, I mean, we're looking forward to a, to the US Open where the last few years where Indian Wells has been in spring, the Indian Wells champions won the US Open um, since Osaka in 2018. Um, obviously, Rebecca's now been defeated in what was probably on the whole a good loss against Shabur. She she was, she was made that match competitive. It probably faded a little bit in that third set in the quarterfinal. Um, but yeah, where do you see, where do you think Rebecca is at right now? Well, she has the most impressive serve uh, since Serena Williams was uh, dominating women's tennis with leading with her serve. Um, you know, I think she's still sort of learning to live with uh, the big target and being one of the big three or top three in the world. Mm. Um, I actually think she's followed on from her Wimbledon win really well. Like if all women tennis players after winning their first major did as well as Rebakina did in the, in the 12 months following, then we would have an absolutely jam packed top 10. Um, so I give her a lot of credit. I give her team credit, which is, you know, not always easy for me because, you know, I consider some of, uh, what I see from her team is a little bit unsettling, but I feel like, I totally respect her as an athlete, you know, given her power, given how she uses her serve. She has a hold serve mentality, which I love and can relate to. I didn't have anywhere near the follow-up game that she has, but she uses her serve to really set the table. Um, and I think for women's tennis, um, frankly, I love when a serve is a, is a dominant shot um, and, maybe in the next, you know, 12 months or a couple of years, you know, the serve will even stand out more because in my mind, besides the Sriantec forehand, the Rebakina serve is the other big shot in women's tennis. I mean, Sabalenka has plenty of power and plenty of big shots, but this serve is special. Yeah, I, I agreed. And it's, it's interesting. I think she won that Wimbledon title, not even serving at her best. Um, I don't think. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Rebecca is going to be 
have a special relationship with Wimbledon going forward. Um, I reckon that she's going to be winning another one or two uh, Wimbledons at SW19, especially with the game that she's got, that serve, flat forehand, great placement with it. Um, Although the forehand can break down, like Donna beat her in Berlin. And if you go hard, it's very interesting to think of the data coming out of what Novak did against Sinner in the semis and, and other examples. This idea of going firm and fast at a big forehand, you can even say this to play Sviantek. If you go firm and fast at the forehand side, a lot of forehands will break down. Yeah. So she has to, you know, that's the thing that... Um, that's and it's how you wanted. cope with that pressure going to your to your big weapon because you're absolutely right. And every player's struggled with that. Um, even on the I think even on the men's side, you know, Roger and Rafa, everyone goes, Why do you go to their forehand? And yet it works if you're able to pull it off. I think it worked against Serena um sometimes with someone having having a really, really good day. Um so I know we're kind of pushing how much time uh, um we've got with you. So I've literally got Two left. Um, so not players, just player. And then uh, one last question about sort of the tournament as a whole. Um, so you mentioned her at the beginning. I feel be very remiss to not mention Elena Svitolina, the fourth semi-finalist. Obviously had that amazing run in many ways, was the secondary story of the tournament after the final. Um, I'm kind of watching her and a few others have been watching her going, She's probably the playing the best tennis she's ever played, right? Or she was going to reach that semi-final and Von Drusheva discombobulated her a little bit. Um, how do you, is that something you're seeing as well? Or um, may, is the 2017, 2018 version still has a little bit of an edge? Well, I see uh, a player in Spitalina who's had two life-changing events happen in the last recent bit of time. That would be the birth of her first child, which is a joyous occasion. Um, and the other one is a real tragic situation, which is what's going on in her homeland of Ukraine. So for some reason, the mix of these two uh, life-changing events has inspired Spitalina to play a different kind of game that's more of a modern day, this is how you succeed in women's tennis, which is, you know, you have to have aggression, you have to have weapons, um, some power, and, and she's just stepped it up in every way. And it's almost like these life-altering events have forced her into more of a growth mindset to being open to a different way of playing. And then sometimes when you just have a plain old pause in your career, for whatever reason, injury, pregnancy, acts of God, war, you know, you come back a different player, a different person, and that's what's happened here. And her story's phenomenal. Like what she's done the last couple of months is one of the best stories of the whole tennis 12 months. Yeah, and look, Top 30 within three months with no other points to defend. That is incredible. Um, I mean, if she keeps this up, she's definitely going to keep um, going up the rankings. And uh, we have to keep seeing her as a contender. And, and you're right. I think 
look, it, it's an interesting combination what it can do to someone and how it how it reacts. And um, you know, you've had to deal with various different challenges on and off the court in your own career and bounce back from that and keep going. Um, so it's it's interesting to see how that how that goes um with Svitolina. Okay, last thing I'm gonna ask you um is um are there any other stories from this tournament that we would be uh, remiss not to mention or just give a um a shout out to whilst we're whilst we're here well i want to give a shout out to chris eubanks uh you know from the us who had his, the great run to the quarterfinals and all the support and that he has received and offered to wta tour players um, the really? first time I ever met Chris, uh, or I really met him and spoke to him was when he partnered Coco Goff in mixed doubles at the U.S. Open the year that Coco Goff, it may have even been the year before she beat Venus at Wimbledon. It was, you know, she was either 14 or 15. <laughs> so um, I want to kind of celebrate, you know, ATP, WTA, uh, Tennis United, and like, Chris Eubanks is a great example of benefiting from Tennis United. It's funny how even a figure like Kim Clijsters played an important role in Chris Eubanks getting prepared to try and improve his grass court game. And also Kim Clijsters helped um, try and console uh, Ans Jabeur and could relate to what Ans is going through having lost. Ans lost the first three majors she played in and Kim lost first four. So anyway, I guess that would be my my last parting thing is just how great it is and it makes tennis distinctive that men and women compete together in the same event and support each other. And Chris was a great example of the benefits. This, this is why this is why I do this because you get things out like these conversations I had no idea about. I mean, I knew Chris and Coco had a friendship and, and they've obviously been supporting each other um but yeah you're you're right and uh it, it, it's really great to hear the support that he's been giving um i don't think tennis united's been mentioned a lot in the last few months you know it had a lot of traction at first and um i don't know if that's always been the conversation um and you're right it is great to see men and women sharing the stage um at these big events um and uh showing off the the beauty of sport sport for everyone um so yeah it's honestly been... it's it's what makes tennis distinctive there's mm. no other sport where men and women walk shoulder to shoulder as often as they do in tennis so you know let's capitalize on that and let's 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 keep it as a positive and let's have both 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 men and women benefit from it absolutely i think uh, tennis needs to definitely keep that in mind. Uh, Pam Shriver, thank you so much for coming on and uh, allowing us to pick that amazing tennis brain that you've got um, and uh, break these things down. Really great to possibly talk about Von Droshiva and Jabeur and all these other players and have a little bit of an insight into what it's like to uh, behind the scenes of coaching a player as well in Donna. Um, and I wish uh, you and her all the best um, for as long as this uh, this partnership continues. And I'm 
Donald Vekic is a player that I've been root, uh, hoping to see a big breakthrough from, and it's it's clear that she's she's got the game to be a big player for for a while. So, um, yeah. all the best with that. Thanks, Nick. All, it's been fun to share this uh, last bit of time with you. So, thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you, and uh, safe flight home. <laughs> Recover well. I'll try. Thanks very much, Pam. You can just. Hey. Exit and fly off into the distance and okay. hopefully land in LA. <laughs> Thank you so much. All Take the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. So I can just do that and then we are away. Um, Nick, listen, um, I think that is pretty much everything covered. Um, just want to say a big thanks to you. It's been a stellar run over the last... Oof, what's it been? Three months, I guess. It's been about three months. Yeah, we 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 started doing this. I think our first show was about Charleston. Um, yeah, beginning of the sort of play court play season, court exactly. Season. Yeah. So um, what's that? Beginning of April, I guess, to middle of July. April, May, June. I mean, it's probably three and a half. Show with Handlon, I think. Was that the first one? I think. Oh it was yeah, because he was there. I think. At Charleston. We talked about it, and we talked about the tournament, and. Yeah, I've had an absolute blast doing these these this show in three months and getting to really uh, just show how much I enjoy the women's game at the minute um, mm. and sharing that with all the crazy people who come on, um, none crazier than yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I mean, fortunately, I've managed to bring some guests in. I mean, Handler was great, as you mentioned right at the beginning. I mean, he was there in Charleston and we've obviously had Pam and we've had Renee Stubbs. Um, and you know, obviously, we've had Mario and Jakob, I think, as well. Um, yeah. who am I missing? One or two more, I'm sure. We've, oh, we've Caitlin Thompson, of course, Caitlin Thompson, Renee Stubbs, um, yeah, Sophia yeah. Shepatava, yeah, of course, yeah, exactly. And there was one occasion when we couldn't find anyone else any better, so I just uh, came on. I think it was just before Roland Gauss, and and that was probably one of the most fun shows I've done, to be honest. Um, even if I did feel like my um. My tennis Your, prediction skills uh, right. were being very much be being cross-examined. And it has to be said yeah. that no one from my power rankings actually won Wimbledon in the end. Um, but if anyone had Marquette oh, yeah, then, on yeah. theirs, then I will tip my cap to you. Well, listen, Nick, you didn't you didn't have uh you know Von Dusser in your power rankings, but one thing you did do is you had um you did say don't forget this time last year, no one would have probably had Rebecca in the power rankings. Mm. Maybe an honourable mention at best, but possibly not even that. I mean, she was 150 to one shot, I think, to win the title. So be interesting to know what Von Drusova was. But yeah, it's been great. We're going to continue with the WTA weekly, but Nick is going to have a well-earned rest for a couple of months. And we're going to have, I think, Jakob is going to be presenting it on a weekly basis. Probably most of the time in its usual kind of slot on a Monday. I know one, once or twice we had it on a Sunday night, but I think with now moving over to, to North America and the time zones, uh, bearing in mind many of us will be based in Europe, I think it probably will end up being around this time every Monday as well. So for those of you tuning in and still with us, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, and also hit the notification bell so you know every time that we go live with these shows and you don't miss out on some of the guests that we've just mentioned. And I'm sure there'll be many, many more coming up. Of course, before I let you sort of conclude proceedings, Nick, uh, we've got tomorrow, we're going to have a look back at the wheelchair tournament at Wimbledon. And then on Wednesday, we're going to do doubles uh, as well. 
I know I've still got Mark Cripps, I think his name is, or Mark. Uh, Mark, anyway, has written a book about all four oh, yeah. Grand Slams going back, you know, 30 years when he was attending them. And, and I've got a copy of his book, and we're definitely going to have him on at some point in the next, hopefully, few weeks, probably before New York. And obviously, we've got tournaments coming thick and fast. Uh, on the men's side, I know Newport is getting underway. We've got Hamburg yeah. next week as well. What, what, what women's tournaments are coming up this so week? There are two way. women's tournaments happening on clay this week. Um, one in uh, Palermo, uh, which has Daria Casacchina as the top seed. In fact, her first round is against Martina Trevisan. Um, hmm. Much of the tournament first round. Like the rest of the draw is, you know, got some scattering of names, but like somehow they put the two biggest names in the first round against each other pretty much. Um, so that could be a fun one. Um, and then there's a tournament happening in... Um, uh, Budapest as well. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. in fact, actually, um, might be worth keeping an answer on in Budapest because um, Alina Avanesian is playing and she's oh, won her other match today. Um, she's, so, playing, she's been playing today, did you say? Yeah, she won in three sets. So she's into oh, the okay. second round. Um, yeah, so, I, she didn't qualify for Wimbledon in the end, which will obviously be a bit, bit of a disappointment, bearing in mind she made the quarters or semis in Berlin quarters, I think. Yeah, um, quarters. Yeah, so she didn't win her following. That. So after she spoke to Talking Tennis, she didn't win her next match, and then she didn't even qualify for Wimbledon. So not sure if she feels as though she's a friend of the show anymore. But we're going to hang on to it. Friends of the show are actually doing pretty well. I mean, look at Liam Brody getting the biggest win of his career. Um, yeah. Lara Siegmund, Siegmund in doing the, the doubles. doubles. She got a big win there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not too bad. We had. Do we have Quinton Hallis? He's kind of friend of the show category, more or less. A Dominic yeah. team is a stretch, both in terms of friend of the show and more importantly, uh, his success since he was on the on the show. And I say on the show, uh, you know, having me put a microphone in front of him a couple of times. But uh, yeah, listen, it's been a, it's been a good run. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing Nick again in a, in a couple of months, especially when New York gets underway. Uh, the US Open, I should probably specify. And and uh, it's been big thank you to you, Nick. Of course, none more so than your coverage in, in Birmingham, which was stellar. Oh, thank you very much, John. And thank you for, for giving me the opportunity to do this. I did not think um, that I would be, yeah, that I that, that I would be doing something like this. And it's been um, tremendous amount of fun um, for uh, this next three months. Um, and whilst I am uh, looking forward uh, to this break um i'm definitely um i'm definitely up for coming back for the us open i really um you know us open last year being on with the team and watching all those matches together um the halep sneaker match and um, where we all four watching it uh, or like yeah, watching yeah, the yeah. all slowly realizing that this story was developing yeah. on uh on the stadium was was great and doing this is is massively elevating my enjoyment of um the, the majors as well so from um, then I'm... all the way through to this recent Wimbledon and you and I were yeah. together of course for Jabir's semi-final I mean oh, I know I... I know there wasn't a perfectly happy ending but we'll still have that it was it was a great moment and we were both super excited about it and everyone in the comments as well like it's always been fun having some banter with Max um about various musical pieces and Jane's encouraging words uh, ghosties attempts to wind me up um and uh i'm i'm looking forward to to interacting with um everyone again um as soon as possible 
Um, but I'm also very excited to see what Jakob does uh, on the on the show as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's always a lot of fun uh, doing these with you, John. Cool. So, do you want to see us out with some words? All right. Well, um, I can see there's a few people still watching. Um, thank you for joining us. If you're new to the channel, please uh, like, subscribe, follow for all the coverage that John's mentioned, talking to, to Mark, talk, still debriefing about the Wimbledon tournament um, and building back up for the American hard court season. Because whilst we've got a little bit of a, a blip with the European clay, there's going to be um, good tournaments in Washington and then we're going to Canada and Cincinnati. And before you know it, be in New York and Jakob's going to take you there for the women for the WTA side um but he's going to sail the ship fingers crossed slightly more successfully than the Titanic because which I I'm well let's face it as he's uh um this is on par with the Titanic so there's only the only way is up so um I'm just gonna say in during all this next six weeks keep talking tennis everyone if you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.